You are Locked On Fantasy, your daily NFL fantasy podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Locked On Fantasy Football Podcast. As usual, I'm your host, Vinny Ironman. I'm not doing this. I'm writing about NFL and fantasy football for SportingNews.com. It's a big time in the NFL offseason. OTAs are underway here. Mini camps around the corner. We'll soon have training camp open in late July. To get there, we need to answer some key questions here, or at least try to figure out what's going to happen in fantasy football with all 32 teams. So we're going to start a series, a new series here on Lockdown Fantasy Football. And we did this last year. It was very successful, asking the three key questions for each offense in the NFL for the production we're looking for in fantasy football and uh, things that we want answers to here as we get to training camp and preseason to better know how to draft the players on these teams and know what to expect from these offenses overall in terms of production we're looking for. Yards and touchdowns, Uh, that's the name of the game in fantasy football, and we want to see where they're going to come from and the abundance of that production. So we'll break it down here for you. We're going to start with the NFC East, as we like to do with these series, and we start with the Dallas Cowboys. It's a good team, marquee team to dive right into. That means we'll go through the rest of the division here this week, so that'll work out nicely. We'll have the New York Giants, Philadelphia Eagles, and Washington Commanders here and uh, look at all the questions surrounding those teams as we uh, finish up this week here on Locked On Fantasy Football. Thanks again for making Locked On Fantasy Football your first listen today. We're free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Every day is, again, a good series here to dive right into. We'll get to all 32 teams here. If there's breaking news, we'll take a break from our series here, but we'll go through all 32 teams here before we get closer to training camp in 2023. So we'll dive into the Cowboys right now. And really it's an interesting team because they dismissed Kellen Moore. Mike McCarthy wanted to take full control of the offense. Well, he kind of did. Brian Schottenheimer is the offensive coordinator. He was a staff member last year. So he gets promoted to coordinator in Moore's role. But Mike McCarthy is set to call plays here more in his style going back to his days with the Packers. So they didn't like some of the things Kellen Moore did, maybe limiting some of the key plays and reliable plays that they could use in the playoffs, and it kind of let them down. They had some big playability, of course, with Moore, and we saw some gaudy passing numbers from Dak Prescott, but the inconsistency was there with the running game and just not executing in key moments here with this offense. So they felt they needed to change. I think the Chargers will also benefit from Kellen Moore getting there and opening up their offense to take advantage of Justin Herbert. So I think they wanted to restrain things, change the way they approach the offense here in Dallas, more so like we saw in Green Bay for many years with Aaron Rodgers and the Packers with McCarthy. So we'll get into that. The three key questions. Number one is, what is the potential of Dak Prescott to have a rebound season? Now, last year wasn't as bad as we thought. He did finish... 20th among QBs, but he did miss five games. He also was 13th, so he was a QB2 when you look at the average points per game. So, fell well off here. The previous season, he finished ninth, so a pretty solid QB1. That's where he's ranked in a lot of consensus 
expert uh, places here this season, so expecting him to go back up there. The previous year, we know he had the scary ankle injury, so he's able to recover and get that big season in 2021, but he finished 30th, of course, uh, getting hurt against the Giants, and we're happy he was back on the field. Before then, he finished third in fantasy football scoring, so had a big year, and before that, he had a slip to 15th, so it's been up and down, roller coaster involving injuries. He's been a top 10 quarterback for a couple years. He's dropped in to the teens and well beyond that because of injuries in three of the last five years. So it's been a roller coaster ride for Dak Prescott. Now it's a new offense. He was rolling and putting up some numbers in Kellen Moore's scheme until last year where the interceptions went up, the touchdown passes didn't go up. There weren't a lot of sources for production there. They also rushed very effectively for scores with Tony Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott, so they didn't have to pop in a lot into the end zone there through the pass. And Dak has also cut down his running, which was a big element that he added and uh, padded his stats with some rushing yards and touchdowns there. So Dak, uh, that was a natural thing you you would think coming off an ankle injury where you were concerned about moving around. So maybe we'll get a little bit more of Dak doing that. But I think when you look at the Brian Schottenheimer offense in conjunction with Mike McCarthy, I think it's getting the ball out quickly. West Coast principles here, using the running game to set up the downfield passing game and shots to come that way versus uh, forcing it and being aggressive. You're going to see more crisp routes to get the ball in guys' hands and open field after the catch versus having them go downfield, come back to the ball. So definitely things we're going to look at differently. And we look at the seasons that Russell Wilson had. He had three years when Brian Schottenheimer was last in offense coordinator in the NFL actually calling plays. And he finished 8th, 5th, and 5th in the three seasons that Schottenheimer was in Seattle in fantasy football scoring at quarterback. Now, he had a lot of key weapons there. He had... The biggest numbers come in the touchdown department. That's where Wilson kind of uh, really shot himself up here. He was very efficient in the offense. He didn't have a lot of yardage. There wasn't big, big yardage. You're around 3,800 to 42 in that range when you're passing and going for those yards. So you expect, again, to be a little bit run heavier. It's interesting without Elliott. I think they're confident in the other backs they have. And we'll answer that question with Tony Pollard in our second segment here. But Dak does have very strong rebound potential again. When you look at the numbers, points per game, he was 13th, so just outside the quarterback ones. And again, Schottenheimer's offense gets a bad rap here sometimes for being boring and predictable. It can be, but it's uh, sometimes nice when you know it's predictable where the ball is going to go in fantasy football. And we know we're going to see a lot of C.D. Lamb, of course, as the lead receiver here in this offense. And Getting some big plays downfield to Michael Gallup should be more prevalent in this offense playing off the running game. So that's going to help. And Gallup should be healthier as well. The key loss here is Dalton Schultz at tight end. He was a big target for Dak Prescott. But they have ways to make up for that, including Brandon Cooks. But I do like Dak's overall potential to rebound into QB1 status. And that's where he's ranked. And I think that makes a lot of sense. I wouldn't be that aggressive there and putting him at maybe in the top six in the top half of QB1s, but the bottom half, I think, in that 9-10 range, I think that's where he, he's going to end up here. He's not going to give him, again, that running floor that you would expect with other big mobile quarterbacks, but passing-wise, again, more touchdowns are going to happen, less interceptions, that uh, passing yardage should be a bit curbed here, so I could see Dak passing for around 4,000 yards with around uh, 32 TDs and maybe like 8-10 to 10 interceptions. That's how I think he's going to rebound, so 
definitely some bump ups from last year's numbers to put him in the QB1 conversation here with uh, Brian Schottenheimer. So more efficiency, less volume, more big playability with less risk here is what you're going to see from Dak Prescott. And that's going to be very nice for fantasy football when we put it all together. All right, there's a look at uh, the first key question for the Dallas Cowboys uh, and their fantasy football prospects in 2023. We will get to uh, two more here that are related to their running game and their wide receivers in our final two segments here on Tuesday on Locked on Fantasy Football. Looking for a delicious snack but don't want all the sugar and calories? Then you need the best tasting protein bar ever that's built. you got to try these. If you're like me and you want to make healthier snack choices in this year, but you don't want to compromise on taste, well, I got just a thing for you as we're on the go in the summer and we want to make sure we're eating healthier. Built Bars and Built Puffs are awesome. They're healthy and taste amazing. They taste so amazing, you won't think they're good for you. You got to try all these. What makes Built Bars so good? Well, for starters, they're covered in 100% real dark chocolate. That's right, real chocolate in every bar. And unbelievable flavors are under that chocolate. Churro, peanut butter, brownie cookies and cream. I'm not sure how Built keeps doing it, but these bars taste like candy bars while maintaining amazing macros. They're so amazing for you because you get 17 grams of protein packed in them with only 4 grams of sugar and only 130 calories. So it's a very healthy alternative to candy bars and you're going to get the protein you need to power you through your day. Now you don't need to wait to get a box for years. We've been talking about going to Built.com to order your Built bars, but now you can get them at your local Walmart or Sam's Club. That's right. They're available right around the corner from you. Head to your nearest Walmart. You'll find them in the pharmacy section where you can grab a box of four bars, so cookies and cream, double chocolate in bars, or coconut puffs. If you're close to Sam's Club, you can grab a 13-bar box where you can find hit flavors including brownie batter puff and churro puff. You can thank me later. Again, we thank Built for sponsoring Locked On Fantasy Football, and you got to thank them uh, for making the greatest uh, protein bar ever. Check it out at built.com and as well as your local Walmart and Sam's Club stores. All right, it is time to continue the show here in Locked on Fantasy Football. We need to get to core question, key question number two, however we want to break it down. So we like Dak Prescott's rebound potential in this offense in our first segment. How about Tony Pollard? He finished as an RB7, however you slice it here in half-point PPR, overall scoring, average scoring. He was durable. Got the job done. So everyone's saying, when is uh, Tony Pollard going to break from Ezekiel? Well, he already did that last year where he was the dominant to force here in scoring. The touchdowns really helped. He scored a dozen there, and that uh, really put his numbers over the top here. But Pollard in 2021 had 169 touches and went up to 232 last year, which is great because we look at uh, the Brian Schottenheimer history. He's had uh, some time with Chris Carson, going back to Thomas Jones when he was the offense quarter from the Jets. They like to put at least 250 touches on their lead healthy back. And that's what we've seen there in the past. So that's really good news for Tony Pollard because he's a guy averages uh, more than five yards per carry. He's a very effective receiver. He's a good scorer as well. And there's no Elliott, so he's not going to punch into his uh, workload anymore. And these guys behind him, you have Malik Davis, a, a youngster trying to prove himself. Ronald Jones is just, we know, an early down power back at this point, pedestrian, former Buccaneer. And you have Deuce Vaughn, a little change of pace. You could see him on special teams as well. So Vaughn actually might be the threat to Pollard for the key touches. I think Davis is going to be straight up backup. Jones is going to help on early downs if needed. But when you have these three types of backups and there's no Elliott and there's no interest in bringing him back, that lines up well for Tony Pollard to be a big-time feature back here. So 
when you look at that number, when we hit uh, 250 for the touches, when you look at that, that's pretty darn good here when you go per game basis to get the production that you're looking for. So really like that because we know if you're going 10 a game, you're getting uh, up to 170. So now you're uh, averaging in the sweet spot there. You're not quite at the worn down stage of going to 20 touches a game, but you're at the sweet spot of uh, 15 to 16 touches. And Pollard is very effective with those touches because he scores, he gets a high average there with his receptions and running ability. So that's the thing is here, he's got to maintain the explosiveness. So you don't want him to be overburdened here to shoot him above that. I mean, he's ranked just about at RB7 and half point PPR. So I think he can retain that value. And part of that is going to be just uh, keep making sure the volume bumps up a little bit. So if there's a little bit of slide in his uh, average yards per carry or touch overall, it's okay because the volume will be kind of uh, adjusted upward to compensate for that with Malik Davis, Ronald Jones, Deuce Vaughn. Again, that is a limited to backfield trio behind him. So they're going to treat Pollard as the workhorse. They also just uh, gave him the franchise tag. He's going to play on that high level with the salary. So they expect him to deliver that way. And look, it was very hard for Jerry Jones to part ways with Ezekiel Elliott. I mean, Elliott was his guy, a first-round pick. But Pollard just really moved the needle, changed his mind here. So that really says that they're committed to Pollard. And I think when you look at Schottenheimer and McCarthy's history, that bodes well for one single back to be, be very productive here. So love it for Tony Pollard, seeing a nice workload here. So no questions about that. He's the clear lead here, and really they showed their hand by really not addressing their backup situation too much except for the key change of pace there in Deuce Vaughn. All right, we will uh, break down uh, the final look at the Cowboys' uh, key questions here in our third segment, we'll look at the wide receiver core and look at the vacated targets, what we can do there with uh, Brandon Cooks and uh, the leftover tight end. So we'll do that in our final segment. Thanks for making Locked On Fantasy Football your first listen today. Every day, or don't forget, we'll look at the New York Giants tomorrow. So we'll break down their three key questions as we continue this team-by-team preview series to all 32 teams. Subscribe, follow for free wherever you get your podcasts. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day, your fantasy football team every day. All right, it is time to close the show and ask our key question about the wide receivers. And uh, the question is, how effective can the Cowboys be in making up for those vacated targets? They have 197 vacated targets, kind of the middle of the pack in the NFL. They're not in that Eagles range where basically no one was gone and they have their same receiving core. Cowboys uh, breaks down like this. Dalton Schultz, who signed a free agent deal with the Houston Texans, he gave them a solid 89 targets. Noah Brown, also in Houston, there followed up to that offense with 74. So those guys made up most of it. Then it rounds out with Ezekiel Elliott on the backfield and T.Y. Hilton there. Elliott had 23, Hilton had 10. So really the bulk of these uh, targets were to Schultz and Brown. So we got to figure out how they're going to make up for it. Uh, Coincidentally, that Michael Gallup also had 74 targets to match Brown behind CeeDee Lamb, who dominated the targets there last year. So we're looking at Gallup being a bigger big play threat here in this style of offense where it can stretch the field. But you're looking at two players that are going to try to make up for these targets that were left behind by Noah Brown. Again, not a huge number of 74. Dalton Schultz pretty big for a tight end at 89. So 
You're looking at Brandon Cooks in the mix, but I don't think he's going to be a big beneficiary here. I think this offense tilts a little bit toward Gallup, and Gallup stays healthy. Those numbers are going to go up with his targeting here. And I also see the potential of uh, less 12 personnel. They used a lot for Kellen Moore last year. So I think you could see more 11 with three wide receivers versus two tight ends. And look, they do like their young blocking tight end that they just drafted here in Luke Schoonmaker. They also have Peyton Hendershot. But the main receiver here at this position is Jake Ferguson. So I think he has some sleeper potential given uh, the history of Dak Prescott with tight ends, whether it was Jason Witten or Dalton Schultz. But you look at Ferguson again, I don't know if they're going to really feature him too much in the pass game. Again, you have Ferguson, Hendershot, and Schoonmaker maybe splitting some reps there, and especially if they're going one tight end more often this season. I mean, that would be the indication, right? You had a player brand Cook's caliber. You're trying to restore what you had with Amari Cooper, C.D. Lamb, and Michael Gallup a little bit more and throwing it back there. So when we look at Brandon Cooks, I mean, he's a guy for hire, but really disappointed last year in Houston. It's kind of interesting that he came from Houston, Schultz and Brown head there. So those are the key vacated targets, right? You have 163 between Schultz and Brown. How do they get distributed? Essentially, Lamb, I think, is uh, near his peak with his targets. I think you'll see a lot of Elliott's targets go toward Pollard here and uh, maybe a little bit of Deuce Vaughn. But now how do you distribute these rests between... Cooks and Ferguson. So I think Ferguson's going to be a little limited here. So this is a good opportunity for Cooks. I'm not banging the table to say, okay, he's going to be a viable wide receiver three. We're hoping actually for that status for Michael Gallup making up for these targets. But I think that's where you'll see the majority. So I would pump the brakes on going after Jake Ferguson here. I don't think he's simply going to be plugged and played to uh, pick up the targets of Schultz, especially when Hendershot is a pretty good receiver. Schoonmaker is pretty much not going to be a threat there because it was blocking. So something to keep that in mind. But well, I look at it, this is a good situation for Gallup, for sure. Brent Cooks, I think he'll be definitely the number three here. I think Gallup needs to restore his status. I think the key for Gallup, staying healthy, being on the field. But his profile fits very well with what the Cowboys would like to do a little bit more with Schottenheimer. Again, play off the running game, take some shots here. And uh, Cooks is more of that possession inside guy at this rate. He's slowing down a little bit. We know that he's been money in the back in fantasy, but he finally uh, didn't deliver those numbers in Houston last year. So maybe he's slowing down a bit as well, where Gallup is still pretty young. Lamb, we know, is in great shape, and he's also uh, looking for a big contract here. So I think Lamb dominates the targets again. I think you see Gallup go next, and then Cook's a little bit ahead of Ferguson with the way they play it with these vacated targets. So again, I'm not going to look at Cook's any more than a wide receiver five at this rate. I'm hoping Gallup can... Elevate to wide receiver three. Lamb, of course, a dominant wide receiver one. Jake Ferguson, again, a tight end two with some upside, but that's how I expect these targets to distribute based on the history of McCarthy and Schottenheimer and based on what they've lost from last season with Schultz and Brown no longer in the mix. So there you have it. There's a breakdown of the key questions for the Cowboys. That's three in all here to know what's going on. That's how we'll kind of do it with every team. Look at the quarterback situation, running backs, wide receiver slash tight ends to really give a good perspective on what we want to know about these teams. Of course, we have a big question with the Giants and Saquon Barkley. We'll address that and Daniel Jones as well. Very intriguing here after his breakout year in 2022. So a lot of good stuff to break down for you with the Giants. Uh, that'll be our next team. We'll cover the Eagles and Commanders as well to round out this week. Thanks for making Lockdown Fantasy Football your first listen every day. Every day, we'll give you the insight you need to dominate 
your draft and looking at all the teams, looking at all the rankings, diving deeply into fantasy football through the quiet time of the offseason. So subscribe and follow for free. Locked on Fantasy Football, wherever you get your podcasts. We're part of Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. For Locked on Fantasy Football, this has been Vinny Iyer. Have a great rest of your Tuesday, and we'll check you out there looking at the New York Giants and their three key questions tomorrow.